Welcome to Welcome to the Gun Show. I am joined by Tarek. Hello, friends and enemies. <laughs> Garrett. Hey, everybody. And Mr. J. Beal. Hello, and I have my adult diaper. We're, it's fine. <laughs> this is properly adjusted, Jay. Jay, Jay yeah. is ready for the podcast. He's learned. He's done a few of these. <laughs> it's still a clean show. It's still a clean show. We're good. It's it's a it's an extra clean show because there's diapers involved. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> See, Steve, we take you care. We take All you contained. Jay is not on as a guest tonight. Jay is on as, uh, you know, just another podcasting host with us. So uh, we're, we're going to have fun with this. Um, well, thanks, Jay. I, I'm excited about it. This is, this is, uh, it's so much fun to talk to you guys and hang out with you guys virtually. <laughs> I'm sure in real life it would not be as fun, but it's, we'll, we'll do it. It, it really, it really isn't as fun. I promise. It really isn't. <laughs> A little so, bit of housekeeping I, before we get rolling. Sorry, T-Bag. I'm going to interrupt you there quickly. So we shot a match this weekend. And every time Corn read a stage briefing and does a welcome to stage seven or welcome to whatever, all I could hear was welcome to welcome to the gun show. Yeah. <laughs> he used his podcasting voice like welcome to stage seven. <laughs> Was it the sexiest match you've shot in your life? Uh, adult diapers. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, <laughs> a little bit of housekeeping. Um, you guys uh, are aware that Gaz is offering competitive... Uh, no, Gaz. I've forgotten again. Competitive coaching with Gaz. Competitive coaching with Gaz. Uh, there we go. Coaching solutions tailored to competitive pistol shooters. Specifically, IPSEC, though, he could probably help you with other disciplines as long as it's pistol. Um, look him up at what? Yeah, I mean, he could technically teach people how to shoot IDPA because the mechanics are the same, though the rule set's slightly different. I mean, slightly. Don't, don't shoot anything other than zero down. You'll be fine. <laughs> Make sure you don't have fun. Oh, sorry, sorry, loud, quite, 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 quite loud. Uh, dvctech.co.za <laughs> and uh, DVC Technologies on Facebook. Uh, hit Gaz up. Uh, it's an excellent offer. Gaz, you've got a new product at DVC as well, don't you? Yeah, we, we've recently launched, um, <clears throat> or we're actually able now to resell some certain products. So we've got a really nice product called Chalk Source, which is a grip enhancer for, well, whatever you need it to be a grip enhancer for. Oh, is I've that what I ordered from you? Yes. yes. Oh, <laughs> awesome. It, it's great stuff. I tried it at the, the, the last EG League. It's really good stuff. Yeah, and then... Oh, and I, I ordered some. I actually thought it was that amino acid he was talking about. Good thing I didn't drink it. Yeah, I wouldn't drink that. <laughs> that would give you more of a kick than the Tennessee stuff in your glass. <laughs> um, but we over and above that, that sort of chalk sauce, we've also got access to... Um, Nutri-Tech supplements, so we can help you out with some amino acids, whey proteins, those kinds of things as well. We'll we'll get more on top of that stuff once we get back from nationals. Oh, awesome. Oh, that'll be really, really good. Yeah. I'll have to buy some of that from you as well. And just yeah. not confuse them. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Don't drink the one that says chalk sauce on it. I I was genuinely wondering, like, why is he why is he talking about chalk sauce? Why would I want to 
Drink someone choke. Drink something choky. Sucks. Yeah. I'm, I am but not get your magnesium man. levels up. Make you <laughs> extra grippy. <laughs> grip from the inside. Yeah, if you sweat it through your pores, you'll never lose grip on a gun ever again. I mean, well, this is true. Don't tell people our secrets. Oh, that's been the secret. Crystal <laughs> success since like forever. Um, don't do that. This is not a medical program. Yeah. <laughs> We're not responsible for what you drink. If you take medical advice from any of the four of us, you get what you deserve. No, I, I don't think we should take medical advice from me either. I uh, just uh, <laughs> South African listeners, you can take medical advice from Jay because you can't sue him. American right. listeners, don't take his medical advice no. or his legal advice. You want to know about goats? No, no, please. None of those things. Take please don't take my advice on that stuff. Even if we talk about it, even if I say that you should, you know. <laughs> but we get to go on the goats wait can you say that one more time we're good to go on the goats though yes yeah the goat, goat advice is fine there's actually a goat well it's not a video program but there's some goats right here oh there I are some goats right nearby they're right I next goats i think they're the coolest animals they are very uh, cool two more two more things before we head into the actual show topic hmm. Uh, first one, you guys are aware, Zero Mike Bullets, website's up, zmbullets.co.za, production's back in full swing after the uh, factory moved. Uh, free shipping within South Africa on orders over 800 Rand. Uh, multiple bullet profiles, multiple different weights, multiple different calibers. Uh, sorry, Brendan, no 200 grain, 40 caliber bullets coming anytime yeah, man, soon. Man up. Yeah, just, just shoot 180s. Um, <laughs> And uh, the, the last order of business. Jay, is there anything you need to mention before we move on? Yeah, okay. Well, I, I really want to do a quick um, plug for the Gaz. For, for we could talk, then that would be helpful. For Gaz's coaching, I feel like <laughs> Gaz has been coaching me. Gaz has been coaching me for, um, for like a year and a half. Uh, and I have not been paying him anything. So, um, <laughs> don't say uh, that. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, we edit that out, please. Um, anyway, I, I look at that large invoice. Gas supply is is arranging there. <laughs> so I ta- I've talked to Gaz for um, more than more than anyone in uh, who who does this, and. Um, I've gotten, I mean, even just yesterday we were having a conversation and uh, it was extremely helpful. So if you're listening, even if you are in the States um, and you want to, and you're, and you're working on something or something just not making sense to you, whether it's a training thing or a mental thing, um, I, this would be really, I, Gaz is, I don't know. I mean, sometimes it's, the accent is the most important part. Um, that's the most helpful piece, uh, especially, especially if you're from, if you're, you know, in the U S um, so send, you know, find him on Facebook, uh, and, and send him a message. Um, and then more people from, from South Africa, Taz Oreska, he just sent me a message today. And, um, so shout out to Taz. Uh, he's, uh, what an amazing guy. So thank you, Taz. CRSP. Yes. It's the best. I like it. Yes. Um, <laughs> check out check out Steve Anderson and um, and just click on one of his podcasts, and then he's going to say right up front everyone else who who helps Gaz out and helps myself out, and um, 
and, and do that. So click on any one of his podcasts and you'll get it right up front. And then you'll get, you'll be, you'll be pleasantly surprised, presently surprised with all of the other awesome things that he has to say. So we'll leave it there. <laughs> so I'll, I'll plug Steve a tiny little bit more. Uh, I completed oh, yeah. my mental management with, uh, with Steve last week, Monday, last week, Tuesday was the last session. What an amazing program. I mean, I know that Lanny Basham is behind a lot of the stuff, but the, the, the specific to competition pistol that Steve adds to it and the way he presents it is amazing. And his uh, presentation is, Steve fantastic. is a natural born teacher. Um, I mean, I'm not just saying this because hopefully you'll listen to this, but no, Steve is, Steve is an amazing teacher. Uh, and he, he, his ability to sort of convey the material is, is outstanding. Absolutely. So highly recommend it if you haven't done it. Um, you don't have to wait for Steve to come out. He does these virtually as well. And uh, because of where he's located and the time of day he does it, it's kind of convenient for South Africans. So don't wait. If you see one coming up and it's in a, in a convenient time slot, I would recommend you jump on it. But just to plug gas quickly, two things. One for our US listeners. Remember that our exchange rate is really, really weak. So if you train with gas, it's going to cost you less than dinner at Applebee's. <laughs> um, and two, uh, Jay, where did you finish in your first ever nationals? Uh, fifth. Fifth. Fifth at his first ever US nationals. And that's Thank you to pretty much all to do with gas. Jay's, yeah. Jay, Jay barely counts in that. That was all gas. <laughs> I mean, it, it really, it, I, I can't argue with that. It, it, it absolutely is. So uh, geez, we're going to have to edit that out because those are part of also the secrets. Oh, um, oh don't damn talk it. to gas. Yeah. Don't talk to Gaz. He has nothing good to say. <laughs> if, if you want it, Jay at the next US Nationals. Um, don't talk to Gaz. <laughs> <laughs> just, just like rush and and slow down on on some of the stages, and then speed up on the other stages, and you'll be awesome. I've heard that the perfect like focus phrase mm. to use if you don't want to talk to Gaz is "go faster." No, no. I've heard that no, no. If you don't want to you, talk to Gaz, no, that's the one you you're use. mistaken. You're mistaken. The perfect focus phrase. To be Jay is to go slow is smooth, smooth is fast. Slow is smooth, smooth is fast. That's the one you used to beat Tim Heron because he'll literally have a heart attack. <laughs> and he'll beat you then. Like he'll punch your head, like your knees. No, not your your head. Your knees. He said no calves. Okay. Moving swiftly. Admin over. That's very good. Poor Tim. Poor Tim Heron. He just gets. I mean, even I say just horrible things about him all the time. So it's, I feel bad, but I don't. He's, but, yeah. he's lovely for someone who's not a fully grown adult. Yeah. He really I mean, is lovely. Tim is my favorite shooting junior of all time. <laughs> <laughs> did Jay like freeze at an inopportune time? I think he did. <laughs> Are we... <laughs> ah, he's back. There we he's, go. Back. he's back. So there we are. Jay had some, Jay had some really good ideas for uh, for topics to discuss. Um, so I think we can we can probably run into one, and and I think it'll be quite interesting for a lot of our listeners to, to approach this from both sides. Jay, Jay was was 
talking about how we how we prepare for matches in really hot conditions, um, which I think will be an interesting discussion. And then I think very interesting, especially for our South African listeners, is is how they deal with really cold conditions because what we consider cold, I think in Maine is a warm summer's day. Um, so I think that could be quite an interesting sort of chat. I think that was a really great topic discussion from from Jay. So hot weather, um, we're, you know, we some of our, our summer matches are are pretty brutal. Um, you know, uh, Polokwane, uh in, in summer, I, I've, I've shot matches there. I have a, an abiding memory of, of, of a match there we shot where at nine o'clock in the morning, it was so hot. I took a, a bottle of, of Powerade, which is similar to Gatorade, um, broke the top off, didn't drink it through the nozzle, poured the entire thing down my throat and was still thirsty and my mouth was dry while I was pouring it in my mouth. Um, <laughs> so that gets hot. Uh, uh can get pretty hot. I mean, a lot of the ranges can, can get pretty hot. So, uh, Gaz, what do you do? How do you, how do you deal with, with a really hot day on the range? I think the, the first thing that I normally get stuck into, and it's probably prevalent throughout the year, but it's something that I pay a closer bit of attention to in summer is making sure that I'm hydrating before the match starts, at least two or three days before I'm drinking a fair amount of more water than what I typically would. Um, and then the biggest mistake that a lot of guys do is while they're on the range, they'll only drink again when they're thirsty. And by the time you're thirsty, you're already in those sort of initial stages of dehydration. So for me, the, the first thing is going to be hydration. And then over and above that, it's going to be managing your nutrition better as well. Because when it's super hot, you're going to run out of both hydration and minerals and uh, salts, etc., much, much, much quicker than what you typically would. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it's different. From my side, sorry, guess with your video. No, 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 go for it. I was literally going to ask what what you sort of got, what you, geez, okay. Let's try it in English. (laughs) I was going to ask what you guys do and if there's specific things that you do either before or during the match to help you with that stuff. So yeah, uh, very similarly, I, what I'll normally start doing, uh, if I can, is on the Wednesday or Thursday, if it's a weekend match, I'll start drinking uh, Rehydrate um, or, or something similar. Uh, so I'll, I'll normally have a Rehydrate on the Wednesday, Rehydrate on the Thursday, Rehydrate on the Friday. And then what I'll do on the Saturday on the way to the match is I'll, I'll drink a Rehydrate. Um, and then I'll often drink another one during that day. Um, just just to kind of make sure that I'm hydrated before I go. Like you say, a lot of people make the mistake of waiting until they're thirsty to drink. Uh, and that's, that's really not a good idea. So I'll, I'll try and drink uh, constantly through the day. Um, and it's a good idea. Honestly, um, it's not a good idea to be drinking Coke or anything like that. Uh, water is your friend, but, because of the amount of, of salts you and and I am not a doctor as we discussed earlier, um, the amount of salts in that you lose. One of the things I, I've been told is it's a really good idea to kind of um, alternate water and and energate or something similar like that, similar to that. I generally try and get the sugar free one, which I know is hard to believe looking at me, but um, and then just get as much liquid in you as you can. Uh, and at two-day matches, what you want to be especially careful of is 
drinking too much booze with your mates on the Saturday night before you were to shoot on Sunday. I've seen a lot of guys on the second day of the match just collapse because it's, it's hot. They finished up the match, drank a dozen beers. And now they're even more dehydrated on top of the, on, on top of that. Uh, and it's, it, it just destroys them. So uh, leave the boozing until after the match. Um, then booze away, uh, but uh, which you would be sorry yeah. to interrupt there, but you'd be it's the totally opposite for cold matches. So you definitely want to be boozing as much as possible um, the night before a cold match. I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's the same. Uh, so I, w- I was about to book an airplane ticket to somewhere Arctic. I've got to tell you guys, I'm a big fan of boozing before a match. I mean, not, not, not before day two of a match, but uh, pre-match whiskey is a thing and should be a thing. And if you're not doing pre-match whiskey, it should be part of your, uh, your, your getting ready process for a match. The night before, grab a nice bottle of whiskey, have some whiskey. Hmm. But don't drink the whole thing. (laughs) No, 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 no. Have some. Have some. Yeah. It's not like you're recording a podcast or something where you've had to drink an entire bottle of whiskey. Yeah, no. Don't, don't, don't get smashed, but uh, <laughs> definitely have something that helps you relax. Um, so just to carry on on the hydration sort of side before we get into other things related to hot matches, um, I will typically try and take at least a 500 ml something to drink per stage. And that's even for small matches, if we're doing like a, if I'm going to go shoot a really small four stage club match, I will have at least four things with me that I can drink and I will drink one um, either when we get to the stage or just after I come off the line, depending on where I am in the order. I don't really want to be drinking that stuff just before I go and shoot. So if I'm quite far down, I'll drink it as I get to the stage. If I'm up first, I'll drink it as I come off the line. Um, that obviously helps more for bigger matches and is really important for really hot days, um, like overshare. But I will typically not need to go to the bathroom during a match, despite drinking 500 moles, at least 500 moles per stage for the whole day, uh, because South Africa is at least where we are. And obviously, if you go further north, is so hot that you, you, you dehydrate rapidly. So what you don't sweat out, you're just losing for, from like pure dehydration. Yeah, I mean, jokes aside, um, I've, I've had matches where I've drunk five or six liters of fluid and not peed it like at home. Yep. Um, just because of the heat. So uh, don't, don't mess around with that. Don't try and be a hard man. Um, keep yourself hydro or a hard woman, uh, except generally girls are brighter than, than us when it comes to stuff like that. Um, so yeah. keep hydrated. Sunscreen, um, especially down here, the sun is not your friend. Um, you know, anyone who's done a course with me will will be used to the refrains of me kind of going every time we have a break, hydrate sunscreen. Um, because a lot of people may, and I and, and I've done this as well. I do this all the time. You you stick sunscreen on either you wait until it's too late and you start burning and you throw it on, or you stick sunscreen on in the morning and then you forget until too late. Um, and the sun does serious damage to you. Uh, so, you know, take time out, get, get decent sunscreen and, and keep applying it. Um, it makes a massive difference to, to kind of how you maintain. And 
there's nothing worse you know like we've we've got a we've got the 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 level four in june i think um that's a three-day match uh and you would be you would be surprised you know you you see often in two-day matches how many guys who are strong on day one start sort of dropping quite hard on day two um and on three-day matches it it's it's scary how many guys by by day three are just you know, I've seen guys drop like four or five places, not because of a mistake, you know, not, not because their gun jammed or, or anything like that happened, just because they can't concentrate. They're, they're, they're out the game. They've gotten, they've gotten burnt. They've, they've gotten dehydrated. Um, and by the, the third day, they're literally just going through the motions and, and, and not able to shoot. So especially on matches like that, you, you want to take care of yourself. Um, and the better care of you take you take of yourself when you're younger, the less your body will hate you when you're older. Yes, and thank you, thank you. <laughs> um, on 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 the uh, the sun protection stuff, like T said, take sunscreen. Be sure to apply it regularly. Be sure to apply um, a high quality, high SPF uh, sunscreen. Now, I'm not going to recommend any. Go go figure out which ones are the best. There's some uh, debates around which SPF is actually effective and which ones are uh, are just marketing or marketeering. Um, you go figure that stuff out. Just apply a good one. Apply it regularly. Uh, in addition to that, good quality shooting shirts are important. Um, guys don't get this, but the the really good quality shirts are going to want to help you stay cool because they're really breezy, if you wish. They're really light. Um, They generally have a collar that you can pop up to protect your neck from the sun. And finally, most of them are UV rated, um, so that they'll block the rays that you don't want hitting your skin. So that means that you need to sunscreen the areas that are exposed to the sun and preferably sunscreen a little bit under the garment where you might be raising it throughout the day or might moving around, we might burn. But you don't have to explicitly cover areas of your body that's not going to be exposed with sunscreen. Um, some other clothing is not designed to do that, and you may actually burn through your clothing. Uh, so you're, like, you're, you're talking directly to me, so thank you. Um, <laughs> about this <laughs> clothing situation. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, jokes yeah. aside, Jay, for you, for you, if you, if if you're going to go shoot a match in Florida or Georgia or somewhere like that, uh, yeah, it's it, 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 it's precautions you need to take because it, it's such a different environment to to what you guys have got. Yeah, absolutely. Which is why I was interested about the topic, um, and and so I think you know, the, coming from you guys who do this who do this very frequently, then I think it uh, I think it's a great idea. Sorry, Jay, I killed your video. You were having some internet problems. That seems to have helped with uh, the audio. Jokes aside, long sleeve shooting shirts as well. They they can be a little bit hotter while you're shooting in them, um, but they do do a, a good job of of protecting you. Um, the absolute best shooting shirt I've got, and, and Gaz has got one as well, is the the shirts the New Zealand team had done for the last world shoot are just spectacular for keeping you cool. Interesting. I might need one of those. Um, you just need a friend on the New Zealand national team. So I won't be getting one of those. Well, you don't have any <laughs> friends, but yeah. Fact. <laughs> we, we love you, Corn. Uh, I'm sure you do. Jay, are you still there? 
I'm still here. Yes, uh, kill the video, and uh, we don't we don't need that anyway. <laughs> you still here? Yeah, no, I'm still here. Excellent. Awesome. <laughs> Related to to clothing and shirts, um, obviously wear a cap, um, preferably something that isn't mesh. Uh, I have some really really nice caps that half of it is just meshified, and uh, those are great in the areas where they're covered. But the other side takes massive strain uh, in a day of shooting. If you're going to be shooting over multiple days, you really don't want any of those. Um, sorry, T-Bag, I interrupted you. No, 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 no. Yeah, that was an excellent point. And yeah, remember to sunscreen your face. Uh, as as Korn said, a, a shirt with a collar that you can pop up, even though you look like some preppy dude from the 1980s, uh, makes a massive difference. Um, and... Silly little things that guys don't think about that we see quite often. We, we see it quite often here where, where guys from Europe or, or, or that come out down and shoot matches here. Um, they shoot in shorts, which is, I mean, I, I shoot in shorts almost year-round. Um, and then what they do is they forget to sunscreen the back of their legs. Uh, if you haven't had sunburn on the back of your knees, let me tell you, it is hell. Uh, so remember stuff like that. Pay attention to the silly things like that. Um, yeah, and, and when we look, mm. sorry, T, when, when yeah, we're looking yeah. at, at sunscreen nutrition and hydration, Corn touched on it earlier, but routine is a, is especially important. So Corn A will typically have something, a decent volume of something to drink after each stage, for example. My routine slightly different. I'll typically go have a couple of sips of water when I get called, um, basically second standby or something like that. And then I'll, once I've shot the stage, I'll have some more water after that. So having that routine and getting stuck into that routine, whether it's for nutrition, hydration, sunscreen, et cetera, forcing yourself to be in that routine is going to force you to make sure that you maintain good levels of hydration and all of those different topics as well. So that routine is quite important as well. Don't just play it by ear, shall we say. Yeah. And don't wait until you're thirsty. I'm, I, I know we've said this four or five times. But it's really important. Don't drink before you're thirsty. Don't let yourself get thirsty. Um, rather have to go pee every freaking twenty minutes. Um, like me. Like like Gaz. Uh, <laughs> he's, he's this is why we have adult diapers. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Or just do what Jay does and wear the adult diaper. <laughs> it's difficult um, to get that rig around it though. <laughs> That's you know. <laughs> <laughs> it'll it'll help with shotgun though. You'll have that little bit of extra recoil reduction. Um, oh yes. <laughs> on on the topic of uh, of of sort of nutrition and that, um, I would also suggest avoiding big meals at a match. Uh, I I typically don't eat a a proper meal um, until the match is over. Uh, you know, have have breakfast. I, I know for me, if I if I don't eat before a match. Um, I'm not quite in top form. Um, so I like to try and get something down my neck before the match. And then what I'll do is I'll kind of snack on high protein stuff during the day. Um, if you're in South Africa, there is nothing better for a day on the range than Biltong to keep you going. Um, it's not heavy. It doesn't take a huge amount of digestion. Um, and it'll keep you going. Um, in the States, jerky should do a a very, very similar job. Biltong's better, but I do like jerky uh, <laughs> in europe sorry guys I, I i i don't know what you're gonna get they had some lovely dried fish in russia um 
but but Good. basically something that's sort of high protein and 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 not heavy. Um, you know, a lot of matches will have food available, and you see you see guys have a big meal at lunchtime, and then the second half of the day they're done. Um, don't, don't be that guy. Uh, I really like energetics for uh, for matches. Mm. Um, not not the same as Bulltong, but I use them in in the same sort of fashion. Um, mostly because if I can take Bulltong for a match, I will. But if I don't get to a place where I can buy a good quality Bulltong, I can always, always, always have energetics in the cupboard mm. and just throw a handful of those in 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 the in my range bag. Um, it also makes you popular with other people like Sasha, who loves those things. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I, like part of my pre-match routine is I go to my local spa and I buy a bag of Biltong a day for however long the match is going to be. Um, I'm, I'm a fat boy. I, I kind of like to eat. Um, but I find if I do that, I can, I can go the whole day without succumbing to the urge to having a burger or, or anything. Um, because once you've had a burger, I'm, I did a Saturday shocker match. I had a burger before the last two stages and those last two stages were probably my worst stages of the day um, because my body wanted to now um, digest the tasty, tasty food instead of shoot the gun. Um, so also uh, sort of related to that, try not jump too far out of your normal routine. So if you have two cups of coffee in the morning, have your two cups of coffee. Uh, if you drink an energy drink, have an en energy drink. Uh, but don't, if you never have caffeine, drink two monsters um and by the same token if you're like me and, and you're powered by alcohol caffeine and hatred um don't avoid caffeine on, on match day because you'll just be a, you'll be a mess um so so try and keep it as close as possible to to what you do and that that that's not weather dependent but but we see that quite often and, you know i see guys who don't drink drink caffeine punch a monster and then wonder why they're sort of bouncing off the walls. Um, and I know with me, for me, if I haven't had caffeine, I'm even more useless than usual. And uh, bouncing off the walls might not be the worst part about having a monster. Um, I will have a monster before every match. That's just part of the thing that I do. Um, what might be worse for you than the, the excess energy you have at the beginning of the match is the slump when it wears off. Mm. If you're not used to it. Um, you just drink another one. That'll put you out the match. <laughs> then you don't sleep and you can't shoot the second day because <laughs> you now need to drink two monsters in the morning and two monsters in the afternoon as opposed to one for day one. So it's a vicious cycle when you get to like a world shoot. <laughs> not going to tell you how many monsters I drink in Serbia. <laughs> Probably a good idea to not tell me that. Uh, sort of my, my last things for, for hot weather competing. Um, be sure to try and share the load equally with uh, range duties uh, where at all possible. So take your time to occasionally sit down in the shade and rest a little bit um, because competing in the heat really isn't that bad. Um, you know, the, the, the sections where you're actually shooting, doing a walkthrough or, or doing your, uh, your, your get the line, make ready. Those aren't so bad because it's, it's a relatively short period of the day that you're doing that. The time that you spend resetting um, typically is what gets people the most because they spend that time not in the shade, not sitting, um, walking around and uh, 
potentially causing themselves issues further down the road during that match. So try and share the, the duties equally. Um, so don't be a cock and just sit down, but also try to not overwork yourself uh, because you're going to pay for that. I just, I'd like to point out that as I discovered recently, patching or pasting for our American listeners is really dangerous. Um, you can injure yourself severely. So what I suggest <laughs> is don't do it. Um, let someone else do it so that you don't injure yourself. <laughs> If that involves uh, having to buy an open gun so that you don't have to do it, well, these are the sacrifices we need to make. Yes, I mean, that's, that checks out. Uh, last one is sort of related to what I just said with the, the sharing of duties equally where possible. Um, when other shooters are on the line and, and shooting, um, find a shady spot. Don't stand in the sun. Um, and if you can, try and find a place where you can rest so either a place where you can sit or a place where you can lean against something um just to take some of the weight off and uh, uh relax chill talk to your friends just two two topics related to that one if all else fails i generally have an umbrella with me um because if you're on a range with which doesn't have a huge amount of shade or something at least you can supply your own shade uh and those those range carts while while they don't look super cool um, they take a lot of the strain off of you. Uh, and this is going to sound slightly contradictory. Be careful that you don't relax too much. Um, if, if, if you're, if you're sitting too much or, or, or anything like that, you can also find that you start getting a little bit lethargic. So it's a, it's a little bit of a balancing act. Uh, Jay, um, I'm super curious. Uh, I, I've never shot in, in Northern Hemisphere winter. I have shot in the Northern Hemisphere rainstorm, which was yes. very exciting. But uh, can you let us know a little bit about dealing with, uh, with sort of proper cold, not, not South African, I'm slightly chilly and have to wear two pairs of shorts cold, uh, <laughs> but, but, but proper cold. Yeah, and I, I think even Maine may not be the, the coldest place. I think there's some people up in... Um, in Michigan and uh, Wisconsin who, who really, really get it. Um, so for those people who are listening, if they are, <laughs> you know, you, you guys know what, what, what you do, but um, we have, we have a match here that's local to me, but it's generally the biggest local match that we have every year. And it's called the frozen chosen. And uh, that happens. <laughs> on the, it, it happens on the first of the year, every single year, no matter what the weather is. Um, so we had a, we had one where we, it was a couple of years ago, maybe it was 2018, uh, which was the first year I shot it. And it was, it was very, very cold, lots of snow. And, um, and it was, <laughs> it, it was one of the most memorable matches. Like we, we always talk about it every year. So, uh, it can be, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun and it's a different experience for sure. Um, so I, I think starting out kind of where, where gas started out, whether it's, at, it may not seem as important, but I, I think that hydration still is extremely important, important when it's cold, because your body is, is using a lot to stay warm. Just when, when you, you may not be sweating, but you're, you're running, you're trying to run as hot as you can. And so you need water to, to supply that. Um, so, so hydrating really well the day before. And then I like to have like an insulated bottle, bottle of water that I fill up with warm water. So not ice or anything. <laughs> and, 
and having that throughout the day is kind of is kind of nice. Um, <laughs> so pa- paired with the paired with water um, is is sleep, and you guys touched on that as well. I just heard a podcast with um, who he's now retired, but he's the 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 current fittest man on earth, um, Matt Frazier. Uh, this is CrossFit stuff. So, but anyway, um, that's, that's the title. And he's, he was set talking about if, if you could have water and sleep in, in a pill form, then that person, whoever invented that or sold that would, would be able to make a lot of money. And when he figured that out for himself of what he needs for, for hydration and sleep, um, then that, that helped his training a whole bunch. And it also helped performance. Um, so paying attention to that stuff and, 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 and not neglecting it, um, I think is, uh, really, really, really good. Um, the other thing that, that happens, um, that I've seen happen and, and then been prepared for myself is the, the lubricant that you put on your guns. So if it's, if you generally use a grease, um, sometimes when it's really well below freezing, that is super, super thick. And depending on what you're using for your gun, it, it, it can lock up the gun sometimes. Um, because it, if you're, if your holsters outside the waistband and it's just entirely just freezing, very, very cold, then, then your slide isn't going to operate how it should. Um, and so kind of knowing that, and that's part of preparation. So knowing before you go to a match, what kind of things you need to do to your equipment. Um, that was one thing I had, um, so I switch over to like an oily kind of more oily type thing. If I'm going to, if I know I'm going to be shooting in the really cold as opposed to grease, which is what I usually use. Um, after that is, uh, hand warmers, which not only for your hands, but also to stick one in the grip of your gun to keep your grip from like in your magwell, um, to keep your grip on your gun warmer. Uh, is really nice so that you don't take your gloves off and then touch your your ice your ice cube of a gun <laughs> really really helps it might help your hand stick better to the gun though yeah but yeah right <laughs> um so hand warmers in in pockets and so i i have i always have them in my range bag kind of just all the time uh and and those come out often and, and get kind of passed around to people as well um so a- hand warm- go ahead Sorry, Jay. Um, from the photography side, uh, if you wanted to make batteries last longer in cold weather, you had to keep them at sort of reasonable temperatures. So if you're carrying spare batteries for your optic in, in that sort of cold, it's probably a good idea to have them somewhere where you can heat them up with probably something like a hand warmer and keep them at that temperature. Once they dip below a certain temperature there, their lifespan is severely degraded. Yes, that's a, that's a really good point. And so if you're carrying around spare batteries, yeah, then, then having those, yeah, knowing that and not necessarily using those to replace your batteries with in when you replace your batteries, if they're in your range back. Yeah, that's a great idea. Um, okay. Where are we at? I'm, I, I wrote some things down on a roll of tape here. Um, and I'm spinning the roll of tape. <laughs> Let's see. I've gone in a circle now. I've gone in a full circle. Hold on. We'll catch back up to this. Okay. Um, so again, with, with clothing, um, we have, we have long underwear and I'm wearing long underwear right now. And long underwear is very, very nice. Um, it doesn't so look to, like you're wearing any, any underwear, Jay. 
Well, I'm wearing an adult diaper, but or, I, or rather, <laughs> rather, I wish I was wearing an adult diaper. <laughs> um, so long underwear is really good, and then wool wool socks and and very uh, like good footwear. So I use um, mucklucks when it's really cold, and so that's just it's wool and then leather on the outside, and it's just a, your feet are very happy. And that makes a big difference. Um, so you're not, you know, clunking around with, with, you know, frozen toes. Uh, and so the, the other thing that goes with that, with the, with the shoes is ice grippers. Um, cause I, we've seen, you know, you're walking a stage and, and we see people slipping around a lot. And so that's not necessarily safe when we're handling, handling, <laughs> uh, when we're shooting a stage. So <laughs> having ice grippers, I mean, it's a, it's a, huge advantage like i've i've shown up to these matches and had ice grippers and some people didn't and i i felt bad for them but also at the same time did not because i can move just as aggressively <laughs> um so ice ice grippers are huge uh again spinning my roll of tape here which i skipped what i made an error in my in my tape uh because i skipped a point and i wanted to come back to it but then spinning the tape around and around makes it very difficult. <laughs> <laughs> you certainly are creative with your notebooks, Jay. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so wh while you spin your, your tape there, I just want to touch on something that you brought up, which is a really good point. Because we typically in South Africa have quite a quite a high temperature. We we deal with hot summers and we don't deal with particularly freezing winters. Um, lubricants on your guns is quite an important thing and in our climate, we want to try and avoid thin-ish sort of gun lubricants and oils for two reasons. Because when you're running the gun fairly warm on a 32-round stage, for example, in a hot summer's day, you're going to be cooking that oil off to a point where it's probably not doing much on your gun. And the oil's viscosity is going to be super thin. So it's actually going to run off the gun and ooze out areas and once again evaporate when you start applying friction and, and high speed to the metals. So that's another yeah. thing to keep in mind with us. We're typically going to be wanting to run thicker or higher viscosity lubricants on our, gun, our guns. Yeah, that's a really good point. I mean, it, it never gets cold. I, well, I've never seen it cold enough here to have a negative effect on a, on, a thin, on a thick lubricant. But what I have seen is thin lubricants just basically disappear uh, yeah. because of the heat. Um, yeah, so that's a good point. Related to Jay's ice gripper comment, and, and this is a little bit, near and dear to my heart at the moment. Um, as South Africans, we're, we're often uh, larger humans. Um, in fact, having traveled the world, the only people I've really found that in general are, are similar in size or bigger than us are, 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 are Americans. And that's not a fat joke. Americans are generally taller and, and, and bigger than, than, than most people. And South Africans are famously big. Um, it's a really good idea to have proper ankle support in your shooting shoes. How do I know this? Because they broke my ankle in two places. Yes, um, shouty McMoon boot. Shouty McMoon boot. Uh, <laughs> yeah. One of the things my, 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 my doc recommended to me as well is um, try and find a pair of lightweight boots with that ankle support. Um, and I'm fairly sure in the cold that's not a bad thing because – I know I've never been to Maine. I have been to Wisconsin in January, um, and I'm not allowed to use the word for how cold it is on a show with Jay, but let's just say it's very, very, 
very cold. Um, and when there's ice on the floor, it's very easy to fall ass over tea kettle. So it's not a bad idea. I'm sure it's not a bad idea there. And, and even here, if you can find a nice pair of lightweight boots with some ankle support, uh, especially if you're like me or a normal size human, um, it, it can offer you a, a little bit of, of additional support and protection. Yeah, I like it. Um, I have found my other points on the roll. Hmm. One, one is a joke and then the other one is, is serious. So we'll, which one should we start with? <laughs> always the joke. Always the, always the joke. <laughs> okay. Um, you guys had said to find somewhere in the shade to be, <laughs> I wrote down, maybe look for if the sun is out, then you definitely want to be in the sun. Don't go hang out. The shade. <laughs> but that, it's almost that like they're polar opposites. It's the opposite. So. <laughs> um, the next one to that, and this is, um, well, I have, I just thought of another joke about that. So maybe I should, I'll do the joke because I have the serious point written down. So I'll do the, and it's not a joke, but it's, um, so all this stuff with the, with the, with the grease and, and making sure that your gun doesn't get too cold. This is all eliminated if you do, if you compete from appendix inside the waistband. Um, because your gun's warm. And, yeah. <laughs> and so I, I think that the really cold frozen chosen match that I, that I first shot was from concealment. So my gun was warm. My grip was warm. Um, I didn't have to change my, my lubricant ahead of time uh everything worked really well um so but uh, so uh, anyway and that was back in 2018 and now we're in 2021 and 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 that's coming back with the new rule changes and it's very interesting so that's kind of a joke but you know <laughs> no, no, no. what one of the things on my list to chat to you about is your thoughts of the new rule changes so keep that in the middle of your mind please jay i'll write it somewhere <laughs> on my tape <laughs> <laughs> You might have, um, you'll never find it again. I won't find it. Out <laughs> of interest, Joe, because you, like me, are intelligent and a dot shooter, uh, have you found that, that, especially in cold weather, that there's anything you have to do to your dot to keep it sort of workable? Um, you know, if you're, if you're wearing a big jacket and taking that off to shoot a stage, uh, has that ever proven to be a problem or, or is that something that, that you have a solution for? I, I haven't had that be an issue with, I think that the main thing that kind of maybe even, yeah, Cornet was saying was, was battery life. And so kind of monitoring batteries more closely, but I, I haven't experienced anything even with outside the waistband, just at a match, um, going over, you know, over the gun and then off. I haven't seen any, anything fog up on me either. Uh, um, awesome. so it's been, it's been pretty, pretty good. Uh, that I, was that was something I was curious about because it's obviously not something we experience here. Yeah, no, so not kind of a non non issue there. Um, with with the jacket, with the point with the jacket is that I like to. This is the serious point that I had. Um, <laughs> I I don't like shooting a stage with a with a big coat on that's poofy and and you have to draw around it and you know and then you're reholstering and you're trying to be careful about your, your coat. Um, so when I, when I shoot in the cold, I have my big jacket and I'll take that off when I, when I go up to the line. So I'll take it off and, and put it on the ground or, um, or throw it at somebody that might catch it. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> and, and so 
I shoot in normal clothes. I'll have a, a long sleeve shirt under a Jersey or, or whatever. And, um, and for the, for the minute that you have your, your jacket off, it's not that bad. And it's worth it to me to, to be, have, have as normal of a draw and reloads as possible. Um, as opposed to trying to tuck, tuck a big jacket into your waistline and then your belt's a different size and your guns in a different spot and, and all that. So that was my last point on the cold weather. Yeah, that makes, that makes really good, makes really good sense. I think, uh, you know, I mean, normal clothing for you and normal clothing for us are not necessarily the (laughs) same thing. (laughs) I have a question related to, to cold weather. Um, and maybe Gaz and T would want to answer this for hot weather over here. Um, not that we have massive, uh, movements in temperature, but do you do anything specific with your ammo, um, or sort of summer matches compared to winter matches? I, I may not be the right person to ask that question to, um, as far as load data, because I only just started reloading. So maybe this is something I need to know as well. If it's really cold, <laughs> I, I don't, I have not done anything different. Um, and generally, you know, major matches that doesn't, we don't see them right around here that happen when it's really cold. And so uh, it's not something I'm too concerned about. Um, but that would be, yeah, I'm now I'm, I'm more curious about that on what's on what my stuff does. So I think that that would be a good test for me to do test some chrono, uh, when it's really cold in comparison. I, I would recommend you do that. Sorry, T. And I yes. think test, testing is the important thing. So we, we did a little bit of testing with some stuff we were getting in from Europe. And and traditionally, the perception has been that the hotter you are, um, the higher pressure your ammunition is going to be and the higher power factor it's going to be. And, and I think a lot of that comes from the old cordite days where um, I'm going to get a little bit gun nerdy here, but a lot of the, the like Kynok and that would have special Africa loads, which would be lower pressure than normal loads because when they came to Africa with cordite, uh, those loads would then be sort of normal European pressure because of the heat. Um, what we found is, and, and Gaz has seen this as well in his testing, is, is there are a fair amount of powders that, that are inversely pressure sensitive. So Everyone kind of expects that I've got this load and it's a 128 power factor. And if I get a little bit hotter, it'll become a 131 power factor. And, and with some powders, what we've seen is that 131 power factor, when it's, when it's sort of a, 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 you know, a nice warm day, can turn into a 135 on a cold day. Or the 131 on a cold day can turn into a 126 on a warm day. Uh, so wherever you are. And I think that's a, it's a useful thing to look at. If it's hot and cold, if you're going to go chrono ammo, what I would do is if you're going to go chrono ammo on a hot day, um, take some and, and, and put an ice pack uh, and see what the difference is in, in, in velocity. And if you're going to go chrono on a cold day, warm some up and see, uh, because depending on your powder, uh, that, you may get the opposite result to what you expect. Um, you may find that that you have a powder that is is sort of you know pressures up a little bit in the cold, um, and you may have a powder that pressures down in the cold. So, I think it's a really good idea. Um, you know, altitude can change that. 
as a general rule, I mean, here, I don't know if it applies in the US, but here, if you're loading a 133 to a 135 power factor load, you're pretty much going to be good to go. If you Obviously, with minor power factor, um, you're pretty much going to be good to go no matter the, the altitude, the temperature. Anything like that? You mean I've been I've been making a mistake by loading to one twenty six flat? That's not good. No, I'm just kidding. I, yeah, you <laughs> missed not what, good. What, what, twenty five point one. One twenty five point one. One twenty five point one. I have I have shot a match. So so fun fact and, and silly story. Um, it happened to me twice. One one of the times I went below one twenty five, but we won't discuss that too loudly. Uh, where. I worked up a load with one brand of primers and then went, uh, sorry, I shouldn't say primers in front of an American moment. It's a bit of a dirty word. But uh, Uh worked up a load with one brand of primers and then went, you know, I'm going to use my Winchester primers for the big match because they're a little bit more sensitive. They should be more reliable, yada, yada, yada. Uh, And saw a dramatic decrease in power factor as a result of using this. And I had one yeah. match where I factored 125.4. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, so all that, all that is stuff that, yeah, in, in the past, either shooting factory ammo or ammo that I did not load myself, I, um, I would chrono it, but whatever the number was, I would have to be satisfied with it because uh, mm. I'm not in control of it, which is almost nice. It's in a sense to that I'm, you know, I'm not in control of my ammo, so so there, so I don't have to worry about it. Um, but I also see the point where I am in control of my ammo, so I know I know exactly what's happening. <laughs> and it's not just being in control or not being in control; it's also having a an idea of what it is going to do. Because you might still make power factor, uh, but you may find that uh, you need to lead swingers a little bit more at the match if they're a little bit far away or you may need to double tap more activators um, during the match to get them to activate as quickly as they would have in in warmer weather so just knowing and then deciding what to do with it from there might be not a bad thing yeah yeah i think that's i think that's a good idea speaking of of hitting poppers in the cold weather um this is i don't think related to power factor but i remember shooting a stage where there was a bank of poppers and it was the first first shooter up, and so all of the poppers did not fall. None of none of Ooh. them did, um, because the the match had been set up the day before, so um, they had frozen in place. And then we went to shoot the the stage, and none of the poppers fell. So, <laughs> and I, how do you deal with that? Well, it was a little. I this was a a local match, and so I, I think we we had said range equipment failure, and did a reshoot after we fixed the poppers. Um, but I know that I'm, I'm thinking of even many, many times it's been, you know, calibrated. So, so you, you shoot the now unlocked from being frozen popper again. And of course it falls. And then that person has, you know, thick mics, uh, and that's it. So (laughs) that's happened. And then the other part has happened where it's, you know, what should happen in that circumstance, which is a equipment malfunction. Hmm. But yeah. <laughs> yeah that's, so Saffirs, when we complain, um, like weather here is never that, that bad. Ah, oh, gee. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's it really okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
before we get on to the next topic that we we discussed, I'm I'm curious without being too controversial. Uh, have you got any thoughts about the 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 recent USPSA rule changes, Jay, or related to that? Are there any things you're going to be changing in your setup as a result of the new USPSA rule change? Yeah, I um, this was. <laughs> I'm I'm really hesitant to to talk too much about what my thoughts are on it. Um, I I had a really good conversation with Gaz, um, and ultimately, um, my thoughts are that that I'm going to keep 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 training myself uh, to build more subconscious skill, and I'm happy about that. <laughs> so those those are my thoughts on the rule changes. Um, <laughs> No, sorry, I, did, I, did, uh, I didn't mean to uh, ambush you with that. It was just the thought. No, no. Um, I, 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 I don't know what to think. I think it's very, it's interesting how I kind of, I kind of wish that the membership had 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 an opportunity to vote on these things, um, and 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 we didn't, uh, or at least to see what's being proposed and have them happen. You know, like go into effect in three months, which is usually what they what they do uh and so but that that being set aside um i am going to add a magnet uh because i i think that that if if you if it's within the rules to add a magnet then then you have to add a magnet uh um everything else is staying in the same place and i i won't be as of currently right now will not be adding a uh a weapon mounted light to my gun um so what you're not gonna do jay is you're not going to get an X300 and then get some AAA batteries and put them in tungsten sleeves. Yeah. Well, this is so I <laughs> exactly I have <laughs> I have an X300 and and when I when I shot open from concealment um in the open division I had an X300 that I drilled out and and filled with uh with shot with lead shot um all the way up. And so that that light weighed 10 ounces as opposed to 4 when when you when you did so i i've i've gone down this road before um and it's it's very it's fun um but when you want to be training it's not it's not fun um so i also i i get the impression from the outside that there are a lot of b c and d class shooters who are going to be clambering to cover their belts and magnets and you know hang an X three hundred with with triple A batteries stuck in tungsten sleeves, um, and and that most of the sort of M and GM shooters are going to do exactly what you said and maybe stick a magnet on your rig because I mean we're allowed magnets in in, in IPSC and and they're not useful that often but when they are useful they're really useful um, exactly especially you know with 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 you guys with your one hundred and forty mil mag rule. Um and uh, not change a hell of a lot else. Uh, yeah, that may be a fair assessment. Uh, your words, your words make sense. <laughs> yeah, that's probably what's going to happen. Could you tell my wife that? <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> just give her the timestamp for right here. <laughs> yeah, don't listen to the rest of this rubbish, but just listen to this bit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Awesome. Now I was I was just curious. You know, we 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 had a bit of a chat about it last week, and then uh, yeah, I I couldn't talk I, anymore. And I think that um, one thing that you guys mentioned last week, which they sent out a clarification to these rules that do say um, that 
that competitors are going to game. I'm, this is not word for word. So, um, but competitors are going to game the flashlight rule. So they are not stopping anyone from, from filling their, their flashlight or even, um, making an SJC, you know, frame weight mm. and then, and then, you know, hot gluing a, a, a keychain light onto it. That is functional. Um, so that's one of the things. And then the other part is their, their clarification was that functional meaning, um, that you won't be bumped to open if your light doesn't work, you just need to fix your light. Mm. Um, so it's like a red dot. If your red dot goes out, you aren't, you know, bumped <laughs> out of wherever division you're in. You just have to fix your red dot and, uh, you know, change guns or whatever, which means if you're running a light, you need to have a backup light and you need to have backup batteries just as you would for a red dot. Um, it's a lot. It's a lot. So anyway. <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it, it's a peculiar direction, but uh, it's... <laughs> yes. <laughs> so we'll leave it we'll leave it there it's, yes. that's very interesting <laughs> uh, you know the rest of us shoot ipsc and ipsc doesn't care what we think really uh, well i i think a lot of a lot of people in the u.s um i mean I, I, kind of myself included would be very interested to see rules be um as close as possible to ipsc um so when you read the magnet rule, you get really excited. And then when you go deeper into it, then it gets further away. So uh, I, I would like to see them be be very close, if not identical. Well, yeah, it is peculiar that we have two separate rule sets. Um, and I, I've heard some some interesting ideas. One, one I was listening to today on... Uh, uh, what perfect is, double. On perfect double yes. because they decided after, I don't know, 14 months or something. It's make ready, Tim. Um, <laughs> some essential dry fire uh, to uh, to have. I, I really liked Kenny's suggestion of having like a, a, a an iron sighted version of carry optics, um, and then sticking all all the low cap divisions in in, in one place. Um, I know from our side, fifteen shot production because we shoot fifteen shot production is very different to how classic, which is our version of single stack, applies. Um, yeah. The stage plans are a lot closer to, to our standard, which is, is like your limited, than they are to our classic. Um, yeah, that was, there, that, was a, <laughs> that was a funny show. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I did enjoy it. Uh, if, if they're listening, hi, Kenny. Hi, Tim. <laughs> hi, Range, Range Panda. What? <laughs> <laughs> You make some great stuff, some great 3D printed stuff and, and everybody there. Uh, also, not I did not get paid to say that. <laughs> <laughs> but you will accept money if Eric wants to send any your way. Yeah, if, if Steiner really wants to give me some money, I'm okay with that. I mean, that's... <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Um, the next topic that, that you brought up that I thought was quite an interesting one, and I, I think possibly a somewhat controversial one, uh, was malfunction clearance and, and the differences between game effect malfunction and tactical semi malfunction clearance. Uh, yeah. So where, what were your thoughts on that, Jay? And, and I think it'll be an interesting discussion. Yeah, so 
originally, um, and I have videos of myself in a, in a match, um, <clears throat> clearing malfunctions by, by smashing the bottom of the magazine and then, and then racking the slide. Um, and that was a, a pretty natural progression when, uh, you know, continuing to compete that, that hitting the bottom of the magazine for me was, was adding, um, a quarter second or a half second, um, to the process, maybe a quarter second. I think, it, you know, here or there and it, either way it was adding time and I, and I wasn't seeing that being worth it. So then my, because I started out in the tactical, tactical side, then it, and, and very much fully have gone to the competitive, you know, I, that's what I care about. I'm playing this as a game, as a sport. Um, so my immediate response now is, is to just rack the gun and, and get back to shooting. And that fixes, that fixes the problem, um, you know, 99% of the time. Uh, and then if that doesn't work, I, I'm, I'm kind of thinking that if that doesn't work, what usually what I do in competition is I, I then go immediately to unload the gun and then reload the gun. Mm. Um, and actually I said before that I, that I would tap rack after that, but I, I, I think I have a video of myself in a match racking and then racking did not work. So I unloaded and reloaded the gun, mm. whether that could have been fixed initially by tap rack. I, I don't know. Um, but because most of the time racking the gun gets it working again, that's that's what I've started to do, and then and then bringing the back that back to a kind of defensive side, which again, um, this is not advice, but this is what this is what would happen if I had a malfunction. I would I would rack it first because that's my automatic response. And I'm I'm curious what your guys' opinion on it is because I forgot what you guys had said when you were all having this conversation a while ago. <laughs> I I think it I think it's a really interesting discussion, and I think it's like. For, for for some outside perspective, Bill, Bill Blowers, ironically, whose business is called Taprec Tactical, yeah. um, who who is one of the most hard-ass tactical dudes around, um, and a dude I have a lot of respect for. Bill doesn't teach the Taprec anymore. His his logic is, as I understand it, and I might be paraphrasing slightly, um, if you fired a few rounds and your gun goes click. It's almost definitely not that the mag's not in properly. It just needs to be racked. Um, I know from my side, and and I have video of this as well. I I tap rack probably because of my technical timmy roots. Um, mm. So I, I have video of me where the gun goes click, and and I've immediately tapped the bottom of the mag and racked it with without my brain getting involved at all. Um, it's not a very big brain, so. It, it struggles to get involved, mm. but by the same token, and 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 this is not something I recommend, but but this is something I've caught myself doing. I've also caught myself doing things very contrary to what I teach. So, if I teach people malfunction clearance, I generally teach either a, a, a tap rack or, depending on the gun, either a lock grip rack reload or or a. a basically pull the mag out and, and reload it because you know if you're running like a modern polymer pistol that'll clear almost anything um i have i have caught myself and this is probably from being an old 1911 guy um doing all sorts of weird malfunction clearance like you know like cl 
sweeping malfunction, you know, sweeping smokestacks clear and sticking a finger in to drop around in that's gone a little bit high on that, um, which is not things I recommend and, and they're really not a good idea. Uh, but personally, I, I don't think what you're doing is necessarily a bad idea. Uh, I, I think where we need to be a little bit careful is, especially with guys who are using reloads, in the majority of cases, if your gun goes click, if you're using reloads, it's something to do with with a primer not being seated or or something like that, um, and that's less likely with a carry gun and 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 sort of quality ammunition. Um, so it's it's a really interesting dis- discussion and interesting topic, partially because I think there's there's multiple really clever and logical answers to it um and and those those clever and logical answers can be quite contradictory uh so from my own point of view if my gun goes click i tap rack because i just have that's hardwired into my brain um but i do appreciate that that 90 percent of the time just racking the gun's going to fix it right and and having that so having that be subconscious for you is much better than you saying i have a i have a malfunction wait don't tap it just rack it uh because jay said that he does that and then oh no well <laughs> so so whatever is sub i i guess the the thing is is whatever is subconscious um unless it's a big advantage to change it which i don't know if i don't know if spending however much um, however amount whatever amount of time forcing yourself to just rack or to go and tap rack if you just rack i don't know if that's worth it necessarily it might it might be but might not i i think i think that the, the big answer here and and possibly the the more difficult one to 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 kind of deal with is whatever your solution is it's making sure you don't get stuck in a loop and, and even worse, an infinite loop of trying the same thing, whether it doesn't work or not. Um, yeah. And I'll, I'll use an example I, I, I often use because I think it's quite, it's quite valid. A, a really good mate of mine um, is, is a hell of a good shooter. Um, he is unfortunately handicapped and happens to be left-handed. Uh, and <laughs> it's unfortunate. Primarily, yeah, uh, but we don't hold it against it because he's a nice guy. Hi, hi, G. Um, <laughs> and he's he's primarily an RDPA shooter, which we also don't hold against him. Um, and he, I, I remember at RDPA Africa Champs, which is kind of an RDPA equivalent of a level four, a, a continental match, a few years ago, he was trying to find the ideal solution to a slide lock reload for a, a left-handed shooter with a, a gun that didn't have an MDX or slide stock. He was running his, his G19 Gen 3 at the time, as I recall. Um, it may have been his G17 Gen 4. Either way, he didn't have MDX or slide stock. Um, so he was trying to find the ideal solution to getting the slide to drop on, on a slide lock reload. Yeah. And he, in training, worked out that if he did sort of the the auto forward where where for listeners who aren't too sure about that, you insert the mag and you hit it just right. And, and Jay's laughing for good reason. Um, you hit it just right. 
and and with the angle, the slide drops from from the inertia of the mag, uh, the mag dropping uh, of the mag getting inserted. And he, in four thousand rounds of practice, doing every reload using that auto forward, it worked a hundred percent. So he would run his guns to slide lock. He'd drop the mag. He'd stick the mag in. And as he slammed the mag in, using that sort of 45-degree angle, the slide would drop and his gun would be good to go. We got to the first stage of the match. He ran 11 rounds. His slide locked open. He did a reload. He dropped the mag. He stuck a mag in. He, he hit it so that it should auto forward. And because of how these things normally work, his slide didn't drop. And his plan had been that if his slide didn't drop, he was going to sort of come underneath the gun and hit the slide stop. But because he had all those repetitions of hitting the, ma- the, 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 the floor plate of the magazine to drop the slide, what happened was he got stuck in not an infinite loop, but a probably three or four repetition loop of hitting the bottom of the magazine. The slide didn't, didn't drop. So he hit the magazine again. He hits it again. He hits it again. He hit it again. And only after three or four repetitions of that where his slide didn't drop, for, for no logical reason, just because guns know the difference between matches and practice. Um, <laughs> he then had that moment where he stared at his gun and you could see the brain going, okay, I know a solution to this. What's that solution? Came underneath the gun, hit the slide, stop, and continued the stage. Um, yeah. And that probably cost him the match um, just on that one stage because of IDPA's uh, time plus scoring. So I, I use that as quite a long example, but it's a really good example of you're going to do it, – it's the classic thing about you're going to default to your level of training, um, not what you think you're going to do. So because he had all those repetitions of of hitting that, that, that mag to – to auto forward the slide when it didn't work his brain didn't go oh start looking for a slide stop his brain went oh no no this the solution is to, to hit this at a 45 degree angle so he just kept coming around and hitting the mag hitting coming around hitting the mag so that's that's something i think we need to be a little bit careful about that we we don't we, we don't find a solution that that, that only works under the best case scenario, we find a solution that's that's going to be a a robust solution to a multitude of problems, um, and that's yeah. a very roundabout way of saying just racking the gun is often going to fix it. Um, what we need to be aware of is if it doesn't fix it, how well hardwired is our plan B? Yeah, that's a that's a very good. Well, that that drives home the point of. Um, yeah, the, the next step to that has to be just as subconscious as the first one. Hmm. Um, if we're going to have a two-step process there. Yeah. Um, and if you layer in a, 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 the two-step immediately, um, which is the tap rack, uh, which I think, I mean, a lot of people do it for even hmm. com- competition stuff. Um, and, it, and that works, that works very well. Um, and then the next step after that, if that doesn't work, uh, you don't just keep on doing it. You you go to the next piece, which which you guys would do. You you had mentioned, you know, uh, what whatever it is, you know, you do you lock the slide back. I mean, maybe maybe on the on your gun, you you should know if that that is going to do it for you. 
Um, what did I, I did loading empty cases like backwards and weird, weird stuff. And that jams up your gun really bad if you mix that in. (laughs) And so you get some weird things that happen and you can kind of learn, you can practice that way. It's pretty fun. (laughs) That, that, that's exactly something I make guys do in training um, is that I make them, what I normally do is I'll I'll get guys to crossload each other's magazines and stick some empty empty cases in. Uh, And for no other reason, I mean, it's not a particularly natural malfunction, but it's a horrible malfunction. So it, it yeah. and, and I think that kind of works with what 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 you're discussing. Um, if your default is is to just rack, and that works ninety percent of the time, but you've got that training time on on a a nastier malfunction where that doesn't work, and you've got to go, oh no, let me rip this mag out, stick another mag in, and rack it, um, or lock, rip, rack, reload, depending on the gun, you know. Uh, yeah. I mean, I like weird, weird example here. I, I had a, I used to shoot an HK USB nine, um, which was a ridiculously reliable gun. I mean, that that gun would shoot pretty much anything. You know, it's it was one of those guns that just it 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 was a really good Armageddon run gun. But if I artificially set up a malfunction um, where I try to just sort of reload and rack it it would cause a smokestack malfunction. Um, so it was just all a weird thing with that gun. So you've got, to, you've got to have a solid understanding of your gun. But I think, I, I think that's, I, and I think that's a workable system, but you do need to make sure that, that you get that practice in with the, 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 the empty cases or something like that, where if that initial thing doesn't work, you immediately default to, to a more, sort of holistic malfunction clearance um, right? as right. opposed to just, you know, getting stuck in that infinite loop of, and, and I think what comes from that, and I think that you make a really good point there, Joe, is not just using uh, dummy rounds or snap caps, uh, but, right. but using something that's going to set up a nastier malfunction. Um, which, which is great. Case, yeah. Great so, for people people in the U S right now where you don't have primers anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> you just do it in dry fire. I mean, you know, <laughs> but, but yeah, I, 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 that's what I've done that before to, to load up stuff in dry fire with cases backwards to replicate something really weird from happening and, or to happen. Um, hmm. And as, as kind of maybe just a confirmation of, of what, what's your response. And if there's hesitation, then you can, you can correct it. Um, but I, that was, I hadn't heard, um, of anyone getting, or I hadn't seen anyone getting in like a little loop like that. And so that was, that's a really powerful story. Um, so people listening to, I like, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to check, I'm going to make sure, um, that I have a response after something like that because we're already thrown you know it's a test it's a really good test to to run yourself through so that's what i'm going to do um and and see what happens um and i think and 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 test it multiple times so you can get a a subconscious uh or a programmed response and and see what it is Um, you you want to build that automaticity and 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 i think that was an interesting one, and, and that was that was a little bit of a sort of 
like a really poor, it, it, it was just really poor timing that the malfunction chose to happen that way. Um, and, and, and with that, that auto forward thing, I've seen multiple options happen there. I've, I've seen it work. Um, I've seen it where you, you auto forward the slide and the slide drops and doesn't feed around from the magazine. Um, I've seen it where you auto forward the slide and the top round, instead of feeding, slams into the, the feed ramp on the gun. Uh, yeah. And, and that, you know, and it, it's a silly thing and it's something I brought up on the show as well before. You know, a lot of the times guys will run aftermarket magazines, aftermarket magazine extensions, whatever, and they'll test them with, with full metal jackets or, or with the round nose reload um, and then assume it's going to work and then jam it full with hollow points for carry. Uh, and we can see that has a, has a variation. So, and I know this is, this is historically a challenge for South African listeners because we've kind of, we've gotten used to living with the ammo shortages you guys are currently experiencing. Um, <laughs> but, but it's also a reality for, for us listeners that, that you need to, especially if you're going to diverge from what the factory's done with your gun. Um, and, and that that's not a manufacturer specific thing. I don't care if you carry a, a Glock or a CZ or, or a Smith or, or whatever. Um, the further you move away from from the manufacturer's setup on that gun, the greater the likelihood of something going wrong. Um, so if you're going to rely on, on, as an example, that auto forward with your reload, you need to make sure through lots of repetitions, not one, uh, that when you jam in that, that mag with the TTI or the Dawson or whatever mag extension on it, filled with hollow points that it works. Uh, yeah. And most of us aren't going to get those, those repetitions in. So it's a really good sort of example of why we want to have the most robust um, firearms handling techniques, whether they be malfunction clearance, reloads or whatever. Um, yeah. Especially if, if like most, you know, like all four, all four of us and, and, and a lot of our listeners while we might be gamers, um, the defensive use of the pistol is still a reality. Uh, you know, it, it's still a primary reason as to why we shoot pistols. Um, so we need to make sure that we're not, and I, I'm, I'm definitely, anyone who knows me knows this, I'm not part of the kilts on the streets competition um, side, but that we make sure that, that whatever techniques we're, we're, we're hardwiring are going to be robust enough to work in a defensive situation. Yeah. I, um, again, going back to, to Bill Blowers on that, I think there, there must've been a video that he put up on, on slide lock reloads where he'll, he'll put his thumb on, which it, this was the thing. Cause it, it was, it, you know, doing a, doing a fast, um, a fast test, mm. uh, which involves a slide, slide lock reload. To save time, <clears throat> you either auto forward or you hit the slide release with your thumb. Um, mm. And and his his method for that, and you can correct me if I if I if it's not him or 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 whatever, but was to have his thumb on top of the slide release, and then when the magazine goes in, then you're you're for, 
it's it's not at the same time you're not pushing down with your thumb but the force of the magazine going in is then pushing that Hmm. uh that's that gets pushed from there and then you're not hitting the slide too soon or or uh yeah i guess that would be the issue if you hit it before the magazine goes in i i i think bill teaches that i'm i'm not 100 percent sure i know the the guy who popularized that the most where you kind of have have your thumb touching the slide stop and 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 not pushing down but adding pressure so that the force of seating the mag would drop it was was todd louis green the late okay, yeah. louis green um and 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 Todd, as a as an aside, while I never met him, um, we had a, we had a couple of online chats. Uh, it's probably one of the most influential people in in how I approach pistol shooting. Uh, mm. You know, the Todd Lee Green was was a he was a bright dude, um, and and he took a re- a really intelligent approach to things. Um, but yeah, I know he he taught it like that. I'm too stupid to do do it like that. Uh, I find under pressure, I'm more likely to to get that wrong, which is why I teach uh, sort of similar to Larry Vickers. Um, I teach using your left thumb to hit that, even though it's slightly slower. Oh, yeah. uh, you just, it's almost impossible to get it wrong. Um, so, yeah. I, and I'll be brutally honest. I, I, I think emergency reloads for, for civilian self-defense are... <laughs> They're, they're a little bit of fantasy band camp. Um, I, I think they're an important skill to understand, but I, I, I think your likelihood of needing them, especially Connors, but but even O'Connor's is pretty low. Um, but I just, I, I, I teach guys, right-handed shooters to use their left thumb because it's impossible to get the tight. Well, nothing's impossible. You know, as Einstein told us, there are two things that are infinite, the universe and human stupidity. But it, it's almost mm. impossible to get that wrong. Um, and yeah. while it's, it might be a quarter of a second slower, if you're getting that right 100% of the time and someone get, else is getting another technique right 90% of the time and the other 10% of the time, it's gone from a quarter of a second to three seconds to fix the problem. Um, it's not any faster. Yeah. So, so all, that, all that being said with, with that stuff, when – you know, or I say when, but really, I mean, we, we shouldn't have slide lock, slide lock reloads happen in, in competition. Mm. Um, that is for me a, and I'm, I'm, I wonder what you guys do, but that's, that's a, I would treat it the same way as an unloaded starts. The mag goes in and then I, I, I do the same motion of racking the Mm. slide over, over the top with my, you know, I pinch the slide with my thumb and, and whatever. Um, now, if uh, if if we played a game that was lots of slide lock reloads, I might change that, but I don't know. <laughs> but, but you don't want to wear a fishing vest. Yeah, that's um, right. <laughs> <laughs> my my approach, and 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 this is something that that's sort of relevant for me because because I have normal size hands and I I, I grip pretty high. Um, I often have situations where the slide doesn't lock open uh, even when it's empty. Because either my weak hand or my or, or my strong side thumb is interfering with the slide stop, um, and there, I teach something I stole from Carl Lamb from VTAC, where if the gun goes click, I still teach guys to do that tap rack, and if the slot locks open, then um, I teach them to to then do a normal emergency reload. 
Uh, right. It's probably not not the absolute fastest way to deal with it in a competition. But as you said, if if if, if we've run, if if I as a production shooter or production optics shooter have run my gun dry and it hasn't locked open, and especially for you as a CO shooter where you've run a 22-23 round gun into right, that's- where, where the slide hasn't locked open. Exactly, yeah. Things have gotten... F- so bad that that extra quarter of a second is probably pretty low in your your priority scale yeah uh, exactly i don't know what Just, your thoughts are no i think i think that's it that that i want to fix it w- with the most reliable with the most reliable method that i can and then get get back to to finishing the stage mm-hmm. um which is interesting because i mean we shouldn't be having malfunctions anyway um yeah. and so this gets back to the thing like you with proper preparation, you you can really avoid having you know malfunctions, uh, and that would be the goal. So if you're having malfunctions, like like Steve says, um, either either fix it or or th- throw it in the river. But you know, what, <laughs> uh, you know, get somebody to fix it or 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 solve the problem. Um, and it, yeah, yeah. But as as we know, things happen at matches that that we need to be prepared for. Yeah. And I think that's a good point. I think ninety percent of malfunctions are are probably shooter induced, not in that you did something to the gun, but that you you reloaded badly or something like that. Yeah. Um, and yeah, you know, it it's you need you need to try and solve those problems before they happen, uh, because if if they are happening, you, you've got a bigger issue. Uh, and from a defensive point of view. I, I don't think that changes. Um, you know, we we know, and I and I and I say no slightly loosely, but 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 observation has shown that you are more likely to have a malfunction in in a match than you are in a practice session, uh, and you're more likely to have a malfunction in a in an actual gunfight than you are in a, in a match or a practice session because right. that's just Murphy. Um, so we need to have sort of solid solutions to them. Um, I think related to that, and this is something I've seen some instructors do that I think is possibly the wrong direction. I also don't want to be trying to solve problems that aren't there. Uh, mm. You know, I see I see guys teaching that every time they reload or every time they mal- they clear a malfunction, they grab the mag and rip it out the gun because mm-hmm. they teach on a range where that often causes a malfunction. Um, and I, I don't want to. I don't want to add that extra time. You know, if I, if I'm doing a tap rack, I'm already ordering, adding probably realistically half a second to my malfunction clearance time. If I'm right. now ripping a mag out, I'm probably oh, adding <laughs> a second on top of that half a second. Uh, yeah. And if we work on the uh, sort of the 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 loose rule of thumb that I normally work on, that, that the average person can shoot four rounds a second. Uh, I don't. I don't want to add an unnecessary second because that's an unnecessary four incoming rounds. Uh, so yeah, I, I think it's a really, it's a very challenging topic to deal with because we have some solutions that are eighty or ninety percent solutions, and eighty or ninety percent of the time they are substantially faster. But if they don't work, they can be four or five times slower. Uh, yeah to clear the problem yeah exactly i th- i think yeah 80, 80 or 90 percent is not 
is not what we're going for. We're, mm-hmm. we're going for a hundred percent. Um, or really close to it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think as a defensive shooter, exactly. Uh, so that's, that's a really, yeah, really interesting conversation. And I'm, I'm glad we, we went down there cause there's some stuff that I'm going to, I'm going to kind of check for myself, um, to see, see what happens. And so I'll, I'll let you guys know how that goes. <laughs> yeah. I'll be very keen. Yeah. Of course. Sure, that's not how it goes. Yeah. 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 So it'll, it'll be good. And, and I, I should probably, um, get going at this point, but, uh, you guys can talk for after I leave and it'll be good, <laughs> but I really appreciate you guys having me on again as, uh, um, uh, to, to, to talk about this stuff. I, I really, I really enjoyed it. Uh, Jay, dude, we really, really appreciate you joining us. Um, and you, you have, and I'm going to speak for the other two now, but you, you have an open invitation that, that any time that we record, if you're available, uh, you are always welcome. Uh, we, we really appreciate you taking time out of your, your, your day to join us. And we really appreciate your insight. Um, I think we're, we're on very similar pages, uh, you know, the three of us and you, um, you know, with, with a lot of that sort of crossover, that, that sort of Timmy gamer crossover. Um, and yeah, dude, like genuinely, like, really we really appreciate you taking time out of your your day to join us awesome thanks thanks guys and um for those going to nationals uh you know exactly what to do um and and that is that is what we always do yeah uh, so <laughs> do that <laughs> <laughs> do that yeah so yeah. Jay, thanks very much for your time we, we so do Jay, really what you're saying is you. shoot faster miss less uh <laughs> right <laughs> No, I was just, thanks a lot for all your time, Jay. Uh, your inputs on the show has been invaluable and I think it's helped quite a lot of guys. So we appreciate all yeah. the time that you spend with us and we're glad that you keep coming back for more. Well, it's so much fun. I, I can't, I can't say no. So <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Jay. We really appreciate it. You better get uh, back to the stuff you need to be doing. As right, to, right. Uh, <laughs> Jake, can you just quickly remind our listeners about five stars to be in the club? Ah, you know what? <clears throat> I I'm I will remind them of that. And while reminding them, I will remind myself because I am I am personally not a member of the club right now. Um, I am I am go I, I momentarily I mean that's going to change immediately. I have the iTunes app and I can officially leave reviews now, um, which was not the case before. So you need the iTunes podcast app and you need to go to Welcome to the Gun Show and leave a five-star review and then say whatever you want with your words. But the five-star review part is the important part so that you can join the club. Um, So go do that. (laughs) Membership piece. Yes. (laughs) Epic. And on that bombshell, later losers.